Uh, if you're our guest, you join us midway through uh, a teaching series uh, that we've been looking at. We've called it The Apprentice, and we've looked at Jesus' life, and we've, uh, we've uh, looked at the fact that Jesus called ordinary people, like me and like you. And, uh, and, and he called ordinary folks, fishermen and tax collectors and all the rest, and he basically gave them the invitation to come follow me. And we have been looking at the fact that Jesus, once upon a time, was uh, a rabbi. A rabbi was a teacher, and a rabbi would have gathered people to themselves. Um, and themselves were a special, best of the best, elite young people that got chosen, called the Talmudin. And they were people that knew what, what we know as the Old Testament really, really well, and after rigorous interviews and training, were selected to become the Talmudin that would sit under a rabbi. And the rabbi would teach them uh, the things of the way. And uh, what we're looking at is this very word apprentice, that Jesus invites all of us, not just the best of the best, but ordinary folks to come follow him. And uh, we look very briefly at a parable this morning, just to kick us off. Uh, from Luke 6:39, and uh, Jesus taught this parable. He said this. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And we often quote this, don't we? The blind leading the blind. You know, ah, oh, yeah. It, it, we use that in our everyday kind of language, you know. It was like the blind was leading the blind. And it's funny, as I was writing my notes during the week, I wrote there, I thought that's, that's setting itself up really nicely for some sort of analogy. Often when, you, when we teach, we try and teach the scriptures, we try and teach in such a way that we can kind of hang it on like a story. And I wrote in my notes there in block capitals, find a story, think of a story to put in there, because that's often how it goes when I'm preparing. And I didn't have one until this morning, literally about half an hour before the, sermon start, before the service started. And I read that. I thought, of course I've got a brilliant illustration of the blind leading the blind. It's like Johnny Sexton and the Ireland rugby team yesterday. <laughs> I mean, do you, did you not just think that? <laughs> win the crowd, win the crowd. No doubt you're all supporting England next week. No, anyone but England. I've heard it all before, I know. Jesus referred to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, as the blind. They were the blind because they didn't see the heart of God. They didn't see God through the scriptures. They didn't see things. And they actually led other people to be blind. They placed heavy burdens and expectations on people that they led. And I love it that Jesus does not place a heavy burden on us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Jesus states the student is not above their teacher. And the word student in the Greek is translated into disciple or apprentice. And no student can ever be greater than their teacher. But Jesus goes on to say, but everyone who is fully trained will 
be like their teacher. And this tells us two things. First of all, that it requires training. This apprenticeship to Jesus requires training on our part. We actually have to do something about it. We don't suddenly wake up and go, oh, flip, I'm just like Jesus. It requires effort on our part. And secondly, um, to be fully trained implies that it's, that it's okay to be partly trained or partially trained. If we look around us, we're all a work in progress. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be just that bit more like Jesus. And the day after, that much more like Jesus. We need to get into training. Not just the tweak here or there, but we need to come before him and be more like him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18. A couple of incredible standout verses. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is there is freedom. I love it over the last number of weeks we've been again highlighting again and again and again the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit reveals the Father and the Son to us and I love the person of the Holy Spirit I've been transformed and transforming into the person of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit years and years ago at the age of 16 when I gave my life to Jesus and I said yes that was the beginning of this transformational life that he offers to all of us and I attended a quite a traditional church it was a Church of England church it's this big old stony building like you see in the postcards a bit like St. Nicholas big big churchyard we used to play hunts and all kinds of things in the churchyard and I went to this church kind of faithfully week in week out and it was after a number of months I went to another church that did uh, kind of the music or the praise as we call it uh, some people call it we tend to call it worship and I felt like something was going on as I just took the attention off of myself and off of my life and I placed it upon him and my worship was to him, about him, for him that suddenly he snuck up behind me and began to heal me and began to reveal himself to me and it became this transformational thing. They did prayer like we do prayer and what we do, if you're uh, not familiar with this, usually at the end of a service we give time and space for people to come forwards and stand here at the front and have someone pray for them. And what they're really doing is they're praying and inviting the presence of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit, to come and to invade our very lives. I don't know about you folks, but life is blimming tough. And I need his power. And I need his presence. And I need his comfort. And I need to hear his voice. And I need to then obey his voice to do the very things that Jesus has called me to you see so many of us we're stuck if we're really honest and I'm speaking to those if you are a Christian already today and you've followed Jesus for years many of us get stuck in a rut and we hit the wall and we think oh flip I'm there and Jesus is inviting us 
to take a step further, a step deeper, to surrender our stuff, to invite the Holy Spirit to invade our very lives. And there are three things I briefly want to share uh, with us this morning. You see, we talk, when we talk about this becoming like Jesus thing, the fancy words for it is spiritual formation. And all of us in this room are being formed into something. Every single one of us, whether we're a believer or non-believer, we are being formed. And we're being formed by lots of different factors. And I want to talk about briefly three things. One of them is our story. Is our story. Stories are so powerful. Last week, five people stood here so courageously and bravely. And they shared their story. And boy, it was so powerful listening to it. So powerful listening to see how they've apprenticed their lives to Jesus. And over time, bit by bit by bit by bit, God was changing them. You see, too many of us, we take a snapshot, a little bit like taking a photograph of our lives right here, right now. And we think that's it. But actually, if we were to look back and replay more like a video instead of a still image, we would see where God was at work where he changed us, where he shaped us, where he did that, where he provided for us, when he answered our prayers, when he didn't quite answer our prayers and we felt lonely and we felt oppressed, but he was present. You see, in those moments, God is still very much at work in our lives. Stories are incredibly powerful and Chantel mentioned last week we were at a conference of leaders and one of the things that was shared from the front was to women directly. And they said this, they said, we, we, the person who was leaning, pardon you, um, <laughs> was, was that there are some women who had just felt oppressed within the church because of things said to them. Because of your gender, you're not allowed to speak. Because of your gender, you're not allowed to lead. There was someone uh, who I'm going to protect their identity. Someone said this to us a few days afterwards. They basically said, uh, you, you would do really well to marry a pastor or a minister because your sermon writing is excellent and you can write the sermons for your husband when they were at Bible college. Isn't that awful? Isn't that awful? And so last week that was shared and this person alongside with several other women came forwards and they were prayed for and the Holy Spirit came at that moment and has the ability and the power to break that story. You see, that was a, their story. And each of us sit here in this hall with a story. Some of it's really great. Some of the chapters in it are fantastic. And yet we all have our stories that were just a bit like, Oh, Flip, that was a bad chapter right there. For some of us, our whole book has been chapter after chapter of difficult, painful things in our lives. You see, we have a story, and the stories shape and form who we are. And if we live by that story, the painful story, we become that person. And God is in the business of rewriting our stories, isn't he? The five folks who stood here last week, that was their journey, that was their story. That's why it's so powerful when people stand in, they say, this was going on in my life. 
And it was wretched. And it was this, that, the other. But I hung on. I clung on. I pushed in to him first and into other people second. And I invited the Holy Spirit to come and fill me and change me from the inside out. Secondly, we become who we are through the habits we form. We're creatures of habit, right? I mean, how many of us are sitting in the seat that we normally sit in week in, week out? There or thereabouts, give or take a row or a seat or two. You know, habits is what we do, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, habits and routine can be good, but our habits develop the core of who we are and affect our love and longings. What we give our attention to, we become. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, that the kind of life that we live is usually governed by the lifestyle that we keep. I'll say that again. The life that we live is usually governed by the lifestyle in which we keep. So if we go to the gym, we become fitter. If we practice the guitar, you'll get better. If we think negatively, you'll be a negative person. Think too often about sex, and you'll become lustful. Spend too much time looking at clothes, makeup, etc., etc. You become self-obsessed, and you'll never be satisfied. The habits that we practice shape who we are becoming. And then thirdly, the relationships that we keep, the people that we hang out with. We've said this many times before, the company that we keep, the people we spend time with, we become like. And I've used the analogy um, of living here for a number of years, the language changes, the accent slightly changes, and begin to adopt some of the mannerisms and local ways of doing things round here, shall we say. In a previous life, I was a teacher, and I used to say this to boys, I would see, the, I would see their behavior change uh, for, uh, in a negative way, and I would, be, I would bring wee Johnny aside and say, hey, what's going on? I've noticed you've been getting in bother. You're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you're getting, what's going on? And it would usually be, oh, and all that. And I'd be like, I know what it is because I've watched you. You've been keeping BC. And they're like, BC, what's he talking about? I say, bad company. I've noticed you hanging around and spending too much time with other people. I wouldn't say who they are because that'd be unprofessional and rude and wrong. We become like the people that we spend time with. So, quick brief recap. We are all becoming something and someone. The question is, are we becoming who God has invited us to be? Are we being formed into his image, into his likeness? Are we becoming what God intends for us? I want to look at four very brief things in eight minutes that I have left. And first and foremost is teaching. You see, the stories that have impacted our lives, often we need them to be corrected by the truth of his word, which comes from the scriptures. We have a wonderful person, we have a number of wonderful people in our life group, journeying on Wednesday nights around the table. And there's one in particular uh, who very honestly and openly was basically sort of saying, I don't tend to take things at face value. 
I tend to question things and question people. And I think it's probably derived from, from their vocation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing to actually weigh up things and go, actually, is that right? Right now, in our culture and society, there are things that are challenging and shaping um, things which will have a significant impact on our lives now and in years to come. In particular, I, I'm thinking of um, things surrounded to, with gender and our sexuality. Stories and things that, we, that are just being bombarded to all of us, and especially our young people, that it's okay to be this, it's okay to be that, it's okay to do this, and just do whatever feels good or what's natural or right or whatever. And there's this massive story, this massive voice that's being spoken of in such a powerful way that shapes our thinking. And unless we're careful, it's, it's, it's important that we go before the Lord and we go before the book and say, hold on, is this right? Is this God's way? Is this the way that we should be going? It's important for us, where, whatever our story is, that we go to the book and we listen and we read and we learn what is it that God says. You see, the culture surrounding us is speaking really, really loudly in many ways. Given an example there, but in many ways. And in Romans 12, 2, uh, the NIV says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. If that's not clear, let's look at the message version of the exact same words. It says this, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. We, as the people of God, presence of God, should be the ones invading culture and saying there is a way and his way is the best way and his way is the way to freedom and to life. And this is it and this is him and let's follow him, not listening to the voices of culture and society and what that is speaking to us. We are becoming whatever we give our attention to. Develop practices instead of keeping habits. And we've spoken and we're going to get there again. We did this last year. We looked at different practices that we can um, spend time with Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. And whatever practices that you find for yourselves is do it. Just do it. Just get on and uh, spend time practicing his presence. If you want to be good at something, you've got to practice it. If you're an artist here, you don't just draw or paint a Picasso. You spend like hours and hours and hours perfecting your skill and your craft. If you're trying to learn a new language, you don't suddenly wake up and start speaking Spanish. That's ridiculous. You have to spend hours and hours learning it, listening to it, writing it, reading it, going over and over and over and over again. And often, it ain't much fun. You don't go, oh, flip, I've learned those 20 vocab words for my test next week. It's, oh, brilliant, oh, such fun doing that. 
It's like, no, it's a discipline. You have to spend time. You have to work at it. But with time, guess what? You can speak a new language. Check me out. You're laughing because I have no chance. <laughs> Speaking in tongues count. That is a off-the-shelf kind of thing. Anyway, that's stay on target. Um, three minutes. Three community. We can't follow Jesus on our own. And don't let anyone tell you that you can. You need to be in community. And I love it in our church that we place our high, high value on doing life together. Getting in the trenches and just being honest and being real with each other. John Mark Comer, who I'm stealing lots of this material from, says this. Uh, community has the power to expose and encourage and this is what it means. In true, healthy Christian community, we get the opportunity lovingly and kindly to be able to point out each other's stuff. And it doesn't come naturally. But if you allow yourself to have someone else speak honestly and openly and truthfully to you, it is life-giving and life-changing. We expose our weaknesses, your blind spots, your shadow side, what lies beneath, the things that you don't quite see. But when someone lovingly draws us alongside you and say, do you realize that when you say that, this is how I hear it? And do you realize when you, it's like, oh my goodness. And we begin to uncover things in our past and we realize that we behave because of things that happened in our past. And I love it. Often when people respond in such a positive way to that. And I honestly think that, that folks that get off the bus, get off the bus meaning they leave our church, is because they love the bit that says come as you are. And we can come as we are with warts and all and our baggage and our pain and our whatever. But at some point it gets quite awkward and quite difficult to sit there week in, week out and build friendships and not really show your real self to each other. And it's awkward and it's painful and it's, it's the fear of actually being seen. And my encouragement to each of us is allow yourself to be seen. Allow others to gently and lovingly draw alongside you and expose stuff that Jesus can just bring such freedom to you. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. I need to come into land. Um, one of my favorite verses is in, from the book of Titus. It's a really, really small book in the end of the New Testament. And Paul writes to this fellow called Titus, and he says these things. He says, these then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Encourage and rebuke. And we love the encouraging. I love it when you say nice things to me. I love it. Who doesn't? I love saying nice things to you. Say, Judith, uh, I said, uh, wherever you are, when you walked in, I said, you were fantastic last week. She was, she was brilliant, as were the other four. Brilliant, I love that bit. The rebuking bit, I don't really like, but I really love the fruit, the change, the life change that can come from just that. But lastly, the power of the Holy Spirit, I've already mentioned it. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit becoming like jesus is a lifetime pursuit and we need to know that in our microwave culture 
where we stick the meal in and two minutes later it's there for us. It takes time. And very, very last thing I want to say is this. I have noticed in my own life and in many of your lives that it's often through pain and through suffering and through heartache and through loss through disillusionment, through all kinds of the yucky things that none of us invite into our lives, but it's just part and parcel of life. I have noticed the people that lean into that stuff and lean into him in terms of giving it to him in a healthy way and lean on the shoulders of other people around them. I have noticed that they are the people who become more like Christ. It's not Jesus that brings pain. It's not Jesus that brings sickness. He doesn't bring illness and disease and cancer and this, that, the other. It does not come from him. But boy, oh boy, does God use it to shape us and form us on the inside in such a beautiful and meaningful and purposeful way. When we adopt a theology of suffering as well as a theology of healing.